self-sourcing as an account executive is really hot right now. So being able to self-source through outbound your own pipeline so that you're not relying so much on SDRs and marketing, super key to hitting you know, target right now. Thanks for checking out Outbound Squad. Before we dig into the topic, which I'm going to be a guest on this episode that you're about to listen to. My name is Jason Bay. You're listening to Outbound Squad. And this podcast is all about helping you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So we talk about outbound and you know, cold outreach. And we also talk about stuff that's a little further down the sales cycle. So discovery and multi-threading and negotiation and all that kind of stuff. So the episode that you're about to listen to, I was a guest on more Asselini's podcast called From Lead to Close. Yep. Wanted to make sure I got that right. SaaS Talks from Lead to Close. And we dig into a couple topics that people really, really liked on this podcast. One is self-sourcing as an account executive. So we walked through the steps uh, briefly of what it takes to do outbound well as an account executive. The other thing that we spend most of the time talking about is multi-threading. So if you've ever found yourself in a sales cycle where you were never able to get access to power or influence or anyone in the organization that really had ownership over the problem that you could solve, ownership over the budget, you're going to get a lot from that. So we talk about how to know who should be involved, how to coach your champion, and I give many, many examples of talk tracks that you can use on how to have that conversation. So I think you're really, really going to enjoy this one. Go ahead and head over to more Asselini's podcast as well, SAS Talks from Lead to Close. Make sure to give him some love and subscribe to his podcast as well. Without further ado, let's get to it. All right, everyone, we have another special monthly guest for SAS Talks. Most of you know who he is, Jason Bay. Uh, not Michael Bay, the director. He's the founder of Outbound Squad. You've seen him. You've heard him on 30 Minutes Presence Club. You've uh, watched, seen his posts. I follow him. Some of you already are part of my uh, sales cocktail swipe follow, so you see some of the stuff that I share there. But we're going to talk about one thing that I think we're not getting enough of on this ep- this podcast, and that's prospecting, specifically how to do it and, and why it's a problem for so many folks, whether you're SDR or AE. Most of the listeners here are AEs. So um yeah jason thanks for uh joining yeah i'm excited to be here man yeah so you're prior to the recording you were mentioning something about 2023 how you were saying that aes are gonna have to do more self-sourcing of leads so can you talk about that a little bit yeah so there okay there's a lot of different ways that we can kind of work our way into this topic but just a couple stats that are kind of interesting to think about so we're in a recession technically, and it'll probably get worse. I'm not an economist, nor am I very good at predicting this kind of stuff. But um, the average tenure for an account executive is about, I think, 2.3 years, according to Bridge Group. The average tenure for an SDR is about 1.8 years. So you got to put two and two together. The average account executive has not sold through a recession before. So in other words, they kind of don't know what it's like when things like are not going really well and everyone wants to talk to you, right? So a lot of the data would support SalesLoft has got a really, you know, kind of depending on your deal size that a typical rep should self-source 25 to up to 65% of their pipeline based on if they're an average versus top performer versus their deal size. 
And what I predict that we're going to see a lot of, and I'm already starting to see it because companies are hiring fewer SDRs. I've seen a lot of companies that are only hiring account executives. Full sales cycle. Yep. Full sales cycle reps. I'm also seeing, uh, I'm predicting a trend that the SDR to account executive ratio, and this is based on what I see in companies right now. Uh, Bridge Group has talked about that being pretty steady at like one SDR supporting two account executives for the last three years, and it hasn't moved. I see more like one to four and one to five in the companies that I work with. And I work with some of the larger software companies out there. So what does all of that mean? It means that as an account executive, if you want to hit or surpass your quota, like you need to get really good at self-sourcing. And you have very little time to do it, assuming that you're also running deals and you know, yeah. work in the rest of the pipeline. So it's it's becoming an activity that if you can squeeze in a 60 to 90 minutes a day, Monday through Friday doing, you can self-source enough pipe, but you have to be extremely skilled at outbound to spend that little time and self-source your pipeline. So it's becoming this game where as an account executive, you have to be an elite prospector. You have to be very, very good at outbound to make it work for you from a time management standpoint. 60 to 90 minutes, That's you're saying that's minimum. And if you're very good at it and ex- you've done it before and you know what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, the reality is if you were to ask most account executives right now to show you their calendar, the reality is they could probably spend three to four plus hours a day because they have so few opportunities that they're working. I think... Uh, another thing to think about, especially when times get tough, we saw a little bit of this during COVID, is you have to disqualify deals earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to get in this trap, especially as an enterprise rep, to work a deal that is just not a very good deal for many reasons. Most of those reasons being, which is another topic altogether, is multi-threading. Most of those reasons is that you just don't have access to the right person. And you don't know how to. Multi-threading is a prospecting exercise. I've been talking about that a lot, too. Like getting really good at, I started the conversation with someone at a manager level who has like basically no influence in the org and doesn't want to help. What do I do next? And most people would just close lost that deal or just continue working in and following up with that manager and trying to ask them to help and try to get them to do intros and invite people onto the next call and that sort of thing. So I think those are two yeah. really big skills. So let's, the, executive I, I, right wanted, I want to go there because I think that's where, um, that's where I'm seeing it too. Not only from enterprise AEs, like like I I hand, like my folks from my businesses, SMB mid market and lower end enterprise AEs, but I've seen it from from all aspects. But let's say an AE gets a lead from from doing some sort of prospecting. Now they're talking to the to the. I mean, when she, the example that you're giving, I assume that discovery already took place. There was some demo that took place with that single person that doesn't have any influence in the org is that the 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 example there yeah we've run a first call with this person okay okay so let's can we talk tactically like all right so what would you recommend somebody listening right now to like all right i have that situation how do i multi-thread without just following up with this particular person and badgering them or marking this as uh, as lost yeah there's a there's a lot of context that's needed to determine like exactly what the move is, but there's some really sound principles that you can abide by. One is multi-threading is a thing that you need to coach and tell the prospect that is necessary in order to like buy the solution and to have a successful implementation. This is not an ask for permission type of thing. This is a coach them on why it's in their best interest to do it. Uh, the other thing is that you need to create visibility. 
So you're never going to go around or above someone without first telling them that that's what they're going to do and like getting them bought into that and then keeping them in the loop with that communication. Um, so we need to do those things. And then the third thing I don't know if we'll have time to get into is like leveraging gift gets. Um, so in that first call, the most important thing that you can do before the call is you need to reverse engineer how deals are won at your company and just know who you need to get involved to begin with. Yeah. That requires a little bit of prep work. But statistically, um, I'm going to have a much higher likelihood of being able to figure out who the right people are if I can come in and suggest who I think it might be and validate that hypothesis, right? So tactically, you can bring this up multiple points in the call. I'm a really big fan. Armand Farouk shared this with me. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like talking about multi-threading in the first five to 10 minutes of your first call. So when you're doing your upfront contract, I call them alignment statements. Mm -hmm. And it's saying stuff like, um, hey, do you have any hard stops? No. Well, hey, typically what happens today, one of two things going to happen. You're really going to like this conversation. You're going to want to continue talking. Usually what that means is we're going to get enablement involved because they really want to know what the content is going to be that they're reinforcing. And since we're talking about the SDR group and you're setting meetings for the account executives, we're going to want the sales leaders involved too because they're going to have input on the meetings that your organization is setting for them. We'll talk about that later. I know we're getting several steps ahead of ourselves. Or what might happen is that you don't like what you hear and we part ways as friends. So I'm setting the stage there that we are going to do that. And then I'm going to save you know, five to 10 minutes, depending on who I'm talking to. Like this is where some caveats are needed. So for example, if I'm talking to someone I know that doesn't have influence, like I get a lot, nothing against sales managers and sales and implement managers, I get a lot of inbound from them. I want to talk to them. It's a good entryway into a company, especially a large organization, but they're not talking to the VP of sales and the CRO every day. You know what I mean? So I might spend half of a 30 minute call just like validating who I think the next people are and just getting them excited about like helping me or at least letting me know who I should be reaching out to and multi-threading to. Do you ever get Versus, a, oh, Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll oh. cut you off. Versus if I do get someone on that's like a director of sales or someone that I can tell has a lot of influence in the org, I might spend less time like kind of mapping out stuff with them and just making sure that, that they're bought in. That's just like... That's some nuance that that's just that's kind of hard to learn without just doing it a bunch of times. For sure. Um, you were going to ask something? Yeah, I had a follow-up question. Do you ever find out, like when, when you talk to, like let's say, you have, the example you gave, you get an inbound lead, sales enablement, sales manager, and they're clearly, you know, they're like, no, it's okay, Jason. Like, uh, you know, I got this. Like, maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's an inexperienced thing from their end where they don't think that, that they're not on board with that plan. How do you handle that? Well, you want to prevent that from happening, which I want to talk about first, then we can talk about how to handle if, if the person is really stubborn. So like the mistake that most people make is they say, who would feel left out if they weren't a part of our next conversation? And like the person's like from an ego standpoint going to respond like, no, this is like I run enablement. Mm -hmm. This is this is my thing with these SDRs, you know, um, you asking who needs to be involved. That's not a. That's not a move that a trusted advisor does. That's that's what an order taker does. Yep. A trusted advisor coaches the person around how to buy their solution and how to implement it successfully. So the first thing that you need to do, um, I'm a, just a big fan of permission-based asks. I'm not asking for permission to multi-thread. I'm just asking for permission to explain. I'll just say, uh, hey, more, 
Um, we've actually gone through this process with several similar companies like Medallia and Gong. And just like you, one of the managers, Jennifer from Medallia came in and would you like me to share how we were able to kind of get others, you know, looped in and successfully implement the training and have really good results? Everyone says yes when I ask that. Cool. So what Jennifer did, she was working directly with the SVP on the PG initiative, the outbound initiative that was going on internally. And what we wanted to make sure to do was involve senior sales leadership because they're going to want to know what the ROI is and they're going to really have a big impact on the timeline. We definitely want to involve people like you in enablement because like, you know that if we train something and it doesn't get reinforced, like it's not worth doing at all to begin with, right? And that's something that you you and your leadership are heavily involved in, I'm assuming. And then since SDRs and AEs are going to be in the same group, we're definitely going to want SDR leaders and sales leaders uh, involved as well. Can I make a suggestion on like what a good next step would be based on how our conversation went today? And I hardly get any resistance when I do it this way. When I do it the other way and just ask them who else needs to be involved, they always say that they're the person in charge, all that other kind of stuff, right? So once I make suggestions on what I should do by sharing a customer story, I'll even go through the lengths of, and oh, by the way, it looks like your VP of sales is Brian Evans. Cool. And on the enablement side, like I just validate the people and let them correct me, whatever. And then I just make a suggestion on what the next step should be. And it's very assumptive from there. Yeah. And I let them know that, okay, cool. I'm going to email so-and-so, you know, just letting them know how the conversation went and just kind of keeping them in the loop. In the meantime, let's set this next conversation. Now, if someone's like super resistant and does not want you to do that, you'd be like, hey, that I totally understand where you're coming from more. Uh, let me know if this is the case and if it is totally okay. Um, I noticed that. Uh, you're just getting started in the role. Looks like you're about six months in. And, and I was talking to a, a sales manager the other day, Michael, uh, at a company called Brooksource. And he didn't want me to share his name because he felt like he still needed to kind of like spend a little bit more time in the role before recommending a trainer to come in and like kind of upend and things. Is that sort of how you're feeling with this? Where if I communicate with some of these people, you would prefer that I don't mention your name? Cool. Oftentimes, people are uncomfortable because they don't want you to mention their name. And you know what? That person doesn't have very much influence. They just don't. Yeah. Like a, a manager, a sales manager in an org that does not want you to share anything with anyone else, the likelihood that they have a lot of influence is very low. I mean, this so, goes back to what you were saying. The, the way, to, I mean, that whole like self role play that you're just doing right now, which is phenomenal, the, the way to do this properly and nail it is you need to like you said reverse engineer you have to know what the who were involved and how how they were involved from deals that were won and then bring that to light in advance versus just playing this guessing game yeah and then you'll know by the way i learned a lot of this stuff from a guy uh, dan strauss who i'll give a, a shout out he was a, a top strat and enterprise seller at zoom info and chorus and uh, we've like developed a lot of these plays and stuff together um so I think the big thing is, yes, you want to know in advance who typically needs to be involved so that you can make the ask and you sound like you know what the hell you're doing when you do that, right? It, it, the, the attitude is, I've seen this hundreds of times, mm. and my goal is not to sell stuff to people. It's to make sure that they have a great implementation and they get the results that, that they want to get. That's my job as a sales rep, right? Um, so in the call, knowing who I need to get involved, and then you need you know some plays that you can run. Right. So a really simple play 
is after a first call with someone that's, you know, kind of below the line is threading in a potential champion or economic buyer into the conversation via email and just saying, hey, more, just letting you know, had a great chat with a couple of the SDR managers. It sounds like a big focus is A and B. I'm not sure yet how that aligns with your priorities, but I'm talking to these folks again next week. I'll keep you updated. No ask here. I'm just like opening up a conversation. And I'm telling the person on the call that I'm going to do that, though. That's the key. Again, I think visibility is that is that big thing that I want to do. The give to gets. This is another kind of interesting piece. I think we're too quick to just give demos to people and too quick to like on the enterprise side. I see people. I had a rep at a company. She gave a demo to like 20 people and she didn't have access to power yet. I'm like, why did you do that? That's like you brought in like two or three people from your team. They brought in 20 people and you don't even have access to power. This it's, 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 it's barely an opportunity. When you say she didn't have access to power, she didn't know who, who was on the going to be in the call or. No, she knows who the economic buyer, and, and I think it's important to distinguish. Andy Wright uh, wrote a really great book on Medic, mm-hmm. and he kind of pioneered a lot of this stuff uh, and, along with a few other individuals. The difference between a coach and a champion. This is pretty mind-blowing for me when I learned this. Uh, a coach is someone that can help you, but they don't have influence. So a coach, an example, a sales manager that does not really interact with their VP of sales much, who is more likely a champion, is useful, but you can't rely on that person to help you get stuff done, Mm -hmm. right? So I think going in, it's like, I know that for me, the most part, like a champion is going to be a VP of sales. And the types of deals I sell are typically above the threshold that a VP of sales can just give the green light by themselves. It's typically a decision they're making with an SVP or a chief revenue officer who are the economic buyers. So you kind of need to know who the players are going to be. So the give to gets though, it's like the give to get is, hey, before we schedule this demo and I bring in resources from my team and you bring in resources, I just need to know like what needs to happen in this demo in order for us to loop in XYZ individual. And if this goes well, um, can we agree that we can get a meeting on that person's calendar? Can you help make that happen? I don't think we do that enough. We're, we're just like so quick to just give out stuff, our time and our company's internal resources to prospects with like no ask. I mean, do you think it's just because of a, a, a lack of pipeline where anything they get, any nibble of interest, they're like, oh, I'm going to jump on it. I'm not, I'm not going to try to kill this in their minds. I'm not going to try to kill this deal by saying, no, no, no demo for now until I get more information versus another competitor that say, yeah, I'll do a demo. Yeah. Well, I obviously, if we have a fatter pipeline, it makes doing all of this stuff a lot easier. Yeah. But uh, I think that one of the things to be careful of when times are a little tougher is buyers and sellers both become more risk averse. Mm-hmm. And sellers, we become risk averse and pushing back. It's like, no, <laughs> like, I'm not going to let you take up a bunch of my time and our team's resources from other people when you haven't even like done any work on your part. That's unfair. Like, I have to have a boundary there. And the tonality that I'm using, you're obviously, you're not going to talk like that to the prospect. <laughs> right. gonna, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, um, <laughs> 
hey, I'm happy to bring in these resources, but as you can imagine, so-and-so and so-and-so, like they're super busy. And if I, if I bring them in, um, what I would love from you is a commitment that if, this, if that call goes well, can we start looping in some other people? Because I really want to help you out. Can, can we make that happen? Cool. You know, or, or, or bringing those people to the call. Yeah. One or the other. I think just like making those asks and it's okay to get no's from people. I would rather know early on in a sales cycle that this person's unwilling to help me than to go two or three calls deep with them and figure out they have no influence and they don't want to help. You know what I mean? I'd rather not do that. This is interesting. It's funny when this episode started, when the recording started, I had like four different questions on like prospecting. Then we like riffed on multi multi threading. I was like, holy shit, this is really, really good. I'm like, I don't see this enough. Like we don't talk about this enough. And then, I mean that, and that's a, you know, that's, that's good. I think, so I, for the, for the sake of uh, a time, um, we probably won't have time to do the other questions that I have um, on, on the prospecting side. So what I'm thinking we do is um, if there's anything else, like you want to like drip in, um, in terms of like tactical, um, we can do that. And then we can maybe put a plug in, you can tell people where to find you and all that good stuff. And then I'm probably going to poach you to do a part two of this. Cause I think this is interesting. Yeah. So you want me to give a quick tip and then to give a call to action of where to, uh, yeah, plug yourself in. Um, another quick tip with multi-threading and cause multi-threading is the act of prospecting. Like prospecting doesn't stop after the first meeting is the principle, right. right? Um, cost of inaction challenger talks about this a lot. I don't know if they came up with that phrasing, but your multi-threading efforts and your prospecting efforts will be so much more effective if you can actually share good stuff. You know what I mean? Where it's like, hey, more, I was reaching out. I've had conversations with so-and-so. And what we identified is that you guys might be wasting up to $1.3 million in your contact center every single quarter by not having a system that helps you deflect customer requests that could easily have been answered through chat instead of picking up the phone. Like that's how specific it needs to be. If you want to engage even on the first cold with, touch, yes, absolutely. Um, oh, sorry. It, it, on the first cold touch, you're not going to have that information yet. If you've done a decent amount of discovery and quantified some stuff, you got to put that into the emails to these executives because that, that's what they care about most. So that's my tip. You got to have something quantified that could um, connect to an initiative that they have. Gartner ran a study of a bunch of executive stakeholders and 93% of them attached the purchase to a larger org-wide initiative. So if you're not talking about org-wide initiatives with executives, they don't want to talk to you. So you've got to connect that stuff. That's intel that you can get from other people in the org. Um, that's my tip. Uh, in terms of where to get more of the stuff that we talked about today, there's uh, outboundsquad.com. We have a ton of free content. I post every day on LinkedIn, every weekday. Uh, we got a podcast. Uh, outbound squad make sure to check out we'll have to get you on there dude and then um uh we offer coaching to reps and training uh to and consulting to to companies so if you're a rep or a sales leader and you're wanting help implementing some of the stuff that we talked about today uh for yourself or for your team outboundsquad.com is a good place to check out too that's awesome i appreciate you appreciate you jo- joining this uh this episode yeah you bet man 